0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Oh, let's try it again. Good morning, church. How are you today? All right, very good, very good. Well, we're so glad you came. If you're a guest, welcome to church. I wanna begin with prayer today. Father, thank you for this this church that gets to gather together to to worship you and really just pour our hearts out before you. Needs are met. We build this community of, of faith believers that are just seeking you, God, and we're honored to be a part of it. Lord, I pray that as I preach your word today that it would be your words and they would connect with open hearts today. And so, Lord, we ask you to do something great through the message today in people's lives. Build us, strengthen us, build our faith. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Well, listen, before I tell you the title of my message, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get real excited about it. Um, You're gonna like this today. And so, when I give the title, just go ahead and get ready to clap, all right? I just need you to be set up. You ready? So, the title of my sermon today are The Benefits of Giving Generously. Ah, (laughs) <laughs> I set you up. I know it's all right. It's all right. Well, here's the thing. As you know, if you've been coming here, I, I do my best to, to take what's going on in culture and find biblical responses and find how does the Bible help us what's happening in culture and in our life. And, and I believe the Bible speaks to everything that's going on. One of the things that's happening in culture right now is the economy is a mess I don't know if you've noticed that uh, the cost of eggs is a little higher than it's ever been. Uh, Inflation is up, interest rates are up, uh, things are slowing down, and and so there's there's a struggle. Most families are at least feeling the squeeze in their financial budgets due to what's happening outside of us. And so I'm preaching on this topic because I believe God has a model for how we should manage finances. And if we model after God's plan, his biblical plan, then you're going to see stability in your finances. So I'm preaching on this today, not because this is what I want from you. Check this screen out. Look at this. Giving generously is not what I want from you. Listen, I want to just tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right up front. If you never give a penny to this church, I love you all the same. All right. Listen, if you never give any money, I want you to know this church will be fine because this is, it's not about what you're doing for us. Matter of fact, I want you to know all our bills are paid. So I don't have a manipulative message to give you today to pay the bills, pay the bills. Now listen, we're good. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. The church is fine. This isn't about what we want from you. Giving generously is what I want for you because I believe there are benefits to giving. And I believe God has a model for our life. Listen, God has so many ways to help us in our life. And one of the places that we're struggling in today's economy is in our finances. And so today I'm going to address God's model. And you'll find out that giving is a part of it. But there are amazing benefits. Amen, church? So I heard this story about a a lady who was about to fly and she was at the airport. She stopped by the little store and got a bag of cookies, went to the terminal, sat down and it was crowded in the terminal and a a really nice gentleman just sat down beside her. And and they had that nice little, you know, smile, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to talk to you, but you know, we're sitting beside each other. Let's be nice. And so, so they sat down and so a few minutes, she's sitting there and she, so she reached down and got a bag of cookies and put it between her and the man. And, and kind of on a little, you know, the little, I don't know, the armrest or whatever there. And so she reached in and got a cookie and ate it. And then about that time, he sitting beside her reached in the bag of cookies and got a cookie out and ate it. Well, she was like, what just happened? Because you can imagine, like, he just stuck his hand in my cookie bag. And so she thought, well, and she grinned at him like, what just happened? And so she thought, well, maybe it's just a one-time thing. And so She got another cookie out, he got a cookie out. Every time she got a cookie, he got a cookie. And at some point now she's like, I am frustrated. Got down to the very last cookie. And he grinned at her and stuck his head in there and pulled it right out, broke it in half and just smiled and said, do you want half? (laughs) She was like, no. And so she got up frustrated, mad, plane arrived. She went and boarded, sat down, opened her purse and found her bag of cookies in her purse. She had been eating his cookies the whole time. And he was just grinning at her and just, just, it was, I want to read you this verse. First Corinthians says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is His. Listen, I want you to know that they're God's cookies, and we're just eating His cookies. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Everything is God's. That's what the Bible says. Job 4, 41, says everything under heaven belongs to me. Those are the Lord's words. Haggai chapter two, eight says the silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord almighty. So according to the Bible, everything belongs to God. Can I get an amen? amen? But let's personalize this for just a second. Let me put a picture on the screen. Let me ask you, does your TV belong to God? All right. Y'all are still thinking it through. I'm going to give you a second. Let's try again over here. Let's try this side. Does your TV belong to God? All right. They got it. Let me ask you over here. Does what you watch on your TV belong to God? The answer is yes. This is not a trick question. People let's move along. Let's move along your car. Everything belongs to God. It's his cookies, right? Right. Does your car or is it his car? Whose is it? It's God's. How about your house? God's house? Your house? Whose house is it? It's his house. So what do you do in that house? So are you hospitable in your house? I mean, it's his house. Listen, the reality is if it's his house, then we have to manage it his way. Like, like. do you think that uh, if you're managing his house right, it ought to be a clean house? Yeah? She thinks so. How about over here? Y'all think so? Clean house? I agree. Clean house? All right. I'm just... All right. Y'all are... This is getting too too hard already. Listen, it's not that hard, people. These are all easy answers. Let's check this one out. Now, time out. We can't bring golf into the picture. That is not fair. Like... um. Because I love golf, but let's just be, now my golf clubs look better than those, I'll be honest with you. Um, but, But golf belongs to God. Like my time belongs to God. Your boat belongs to God. How about that? How about Target, ladies, belongs to God. Listen, what you do in Target belongs to God. Can I get an amen, ladies? No, they're like, no, I'm not clapping for that. I'm feeling pushback and we're not even to the hard stuff yet. Like, how about this one? It's belonged to God. So if it belongs to God, then I think he has a, I think he has the ability to talk to us about how we spend it. If it's his, I'll tell you one more funny story. Uh, several years ago, I had a neighbor that came and knocked on my door and he asked, can I borrow a circular saw? listen, I, I probably use a circular saw about once every four years. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not cutting anything up. I don't cut stuff, but some of you do. God bless you. Um, but so, but I said, sure, I got a circular saw and I went out in the garage and I gave it to my neighbor to borrow. And he went over to his house, used it and didn't bring it back. But listen, I, I don't use a circular saw. So for like two years went by, I totally forgot about this. I'm like, made no difference because I never use it. The one time, though, I decided to use it, I was looking for my circular saw, and and I was like, I don't know where it is, and it dawned on me, my neighbor has the circular saw. So I went over to his house, knocked on the door, and I said, do you have a circular saw? You know, I was trying to, like, you know, remind him, and he goes, oh, yeah, I've got a circular saw. I said, can I use it? And he's like, oh yeah, let me go get it. Went out in the garage, brought me my circular saw and handed it to me. And he said, hey, when you're finished, he goes, I'm gonna be out of town. Just leave it beside the garage door. Listen, he had had my circular saw so long that he thought it was his. And so I used the circular saw and now I'm in this dilemma. Do I keep my saw and make him think that I stole his saw that was my saw? You know what I did? I gave it back to him. I did. I didn't know what to do. So I lost my circular saw because he thought it was his saw. He had had it so long. And that's what happens is we have our possessions for so long. We have our cars and we have our things that we think it's ours. But church, it's all God's. The Bible says that in James 1:17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father. Every good and perfect gift is from God. Listen, if you're married, men, I have a little tip for you. Look at your wife right now and say, God sent me a great gift in you. Do it, man. This is your chance. Don't miss that. I'm I'm just helping you dudes. I'm just helping you. So listen, everything is from God. Every good and perfect gift, everything we have is from God. Listen in first Timothy chapter six, 17, First of all, it says, command those who are rich in this present world. And so some of you are like, oh good, that's not for me. I get it. Um, Because you're like, I'm not rich. And I understand that. But I'm gonna just push back on that just a little bit because the average worldwide income is about $3,000 per year. If you make more than $3,000, you're above the world average. And if you earn... Sixty thousand dollars per year. Now that's I'm not. That's that's a good income, sixty thousand. But the average in America is seventy. If you earn sixty thousand per year, you are in the top one percent of earners around the world. So, this verse is for Life Church. Let's go back to it. Command those who attend Life Church who are rich. Look at somebody. I go, you're rich, and I didn't know it. Man, you all are wealthy, rich people. I love it. Amen, church? Y'all are looking at me like I'm not sure about all this sermon, but it's true. Command those who are rich in this present world to not be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We feel that today. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? Let me build your faith for just a second. One verse to build your faith. Philippians 419 says, my God, is he your God? He's my God. He's your God. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. In Christ Jesus, all your needs are met. He provides salvation to the lost. He provides healing to the hurt. He provides hope for the discouraged. He provides provision to his people. Amen, church? Y'all aren't catching me. Amen, church? Amen. Listen, some of you are like, well, Pastor Tim, look, I work really hard for my money. And, and God bless you, you should. But sometimes we think because we've worked hard, then it's, it's mine. And I just have one verse to, to push back on you with that. Deuteronomy eight eighteen says, and you shall remember the Lord, your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Listen, it is he who gives you the ability to work. It is he who has given you hands and feet to work. It is he who has given you a mind to work. It is he who provides everything so that you can be successful in life. Amen. Both of you are great. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm so playing with you. Listen, if you're taking notes, let me write this down. Everything I have is God's and everything I have is from God, which means we're stewards like, if it's all God's, we are managers. That's what steward means, managers. Consider like a Chick fil A Chick-fil-A franchise, all right? So, we're gonna learn about being a manager. So, a Chick fil A franchise, and by the way, I, I bring that up because uh, one of the members of our church owns the Chick fil A on Oleander. So, if you, and we all like Christian chicken, right? So, um, so go to Chick fil A on Oleander and bless. Uh, Bless our friends that go to church here. and so. But Chick-fil-A, its franchise has an owner. An owner has a manager. And he says to the manager, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to operate this franchise in the way I want you to operate it. And the manager then has to do what the owner says, because the manager is just a steward. He's just a manager. So the owner says, listen, I want you to teach our people to be really polite and friendly when they come through the drive-thru. And you know what they say when you go to the drive-thru and they'll say what? My pleasure. my pleasure. Of course, it's so great. Who doesn't want to go to Chick-fil-A and hear my pleasure? And so, but you know what? That employee didn't have that on its own. The manager taught him to say that and the manager learned that from the owner. The owner has control. The owner has the ability to say to the manager, listen, I want a real clean store. I want the food prep this way because the owner owns the store. The manager is just doing what the owner wants it to do. And I want to propose to you that you and I are like a franchise. God is the owner and we're just the manager of Tim's franchise. You're a franchise. I say that, you know, tongue in cheek, but God owns everything and we manage it. And if he, has it all, it's all his, we're a manager, then how do we follow God's plan? What is his model for money? And this brings me to the message title today about giving generously. To manage God's money, it begins with giving generously. Now, I'm going to take us to a scripture in the Old Testament and I'm going to talk about tithing from the Old Testament. Now, tithing, if you're new to church, is what is 10%. So it's a church word, tithing, but tithing means 10th. And so to tithe, would to give 10% of your income back to God? Now I say back to God on purpose because it's all His. And so when we have been blessed with anything, whether house, car, TV, golf clubs, whatever it may be, and we're gonna sow back to God, we're gonna give back. It's His, so we're just giving back, right? So, but under the Old Testament church, listen to me, God required the Israelites to tithe. It was a requirement of theirs. And why did he do that? He taught them to honor him. Tithing was teaching them to honor him. Tithing was teaching them to depend on him. Tithing was teaching them to trust him with their provision. The reality is, is God doesn't need their money. Didn't need their money. He doesn't need our money today. So it's not that God's saying, I require them to give. He is saying, I want to teach them honor. I want to teach them trust and to depend on him. And so that was what that was all about. As a matter of fact, God doesn't need your money. He wants our hearts. For the Israelites, tithing was punished if they didn't give. Now, he didn't punish them because he was mad at them. He punished them to train them to teach them the significance. He he wanted them to understand how important it was to honor God and to to trust God with the provisions and everything they had. He wanted them to understand that it was from him, provided from him, and they could trust him as they journeyed through the desert. And when they entered the Promised Land, he wanted them to trust him and honor him all the way through. And just thinking about the Israelites, when when they were in the desert, God provided manna for them to eat right? When, when they were thirsty, God provided water from a rock. When they sowed the seeds in the ground, God provided rain for them. And so for the Israelites, God was teaching them to trust them through it all. And I'll be honest with you right now in our struggling economy and rising prices, we need to learn to trust God all the more. Amen. Now, That's Old Testament. Tithing was required. The New Testament, after the birth, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're under grace today, which means God doesn't punish us if we don't tithe. He's not going to get mad at you. Some people, I've heard them say, well, My car broke down. I guess, you know, I didn't give God money or something. You know, like, and they're thinking, see, they're tied to Old Testament law. And I want you to know right now that if you never give a penny to God, if you never give a penny in this church, God will not punish you for that. And listen, if God's not gonna be mad at you, I'm sure not gonna be mad at you, right? So listen, I'm telling you, right, don't give. It's up to you, don't give. You ever heard a pastor say that? I don't know that I've ever said that, but listen, <laughs> I'm feeling the sweat. Like, no, I'm kidding. Uh, God won't punish you. But listen, church, I don't think that grace nefec- nef- negates the fact that God still wants us to learn to honor Him, learn to depend on Him, and learn to trust Him through it all. So let me tell you like this, tithing is not mandatory, but it's a model that we should follow, that teaches us to honor and depend and trust God. And so let me take you to this Old Testament verse. Understanding, Old Testament. Malachi 3, 9 11 says, you are under a curse. Praise God for the cross. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Grace. So you're not under a curse, but it says your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now how can the Israelites, how did they rob God? Well, let me remind you that everything is God's and he required them to tithe back to him what was his, a portion of what was his. And when they didn't give back to God what was his, then it was robbing God. And so then it says, bring this, uh, because you're robbing me, verse 10 goes on to say, then bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so let me pause there. Um, Bring the whole tide, so we're talking about that 10%, into the storehouse. So back in that day, where was the storehouse? What was this talking about? Well, it was specifically talking about the temple. And understanding they were farmers then, and so they literally brought grain, they literally brought oils. They literally brought wine to the temple and they had storehouses along the side of the temple and they would collect all of these goods from their harvest and it, they would stock it in their storehouse. That was used to bless the priest. It was used to help support the people in their church and, or in their temple and their, whatever they called it then, I guess the temple, but then they also helped the people outside of there with the storehouse supplies. So we read this today and I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, then if not the temple, then, and we don't have, you know, I don't have any storehouses outside, but what is it talking about? It's talking about bringing your, your giving to the church, to your local church. That's how you apply that today. Because let me ask you, is, is the word being fed to you today? So you're feeding on the Word of God today. So this is, this is a place where you're fed. This is your storehouse where the grain is being given back to you. And so you would tithe into your local church. That's where your tithe begin, belongs. Listen, there's a lot of great organizations out there, and we support a lot of them. But I'm going to tell you that your tithe goes to your church first. Amen? Then Then it says, God says this. He says, test me in this giving. That's what it says. It says, test me, says the Lord. Test me. I'll give you another word for that. Uh, trust me. I think it fits just as well. You can trust me. Trust. God says, try my ways. Use my model. Give my way a shot, says the Lord. And why? Because God's ways work. God's models work in our life. And he's like, I I think God is like, I mean, he said, test me because he's so passionate about people trusting him. And, And he says, and if you'll do this, and this is what it says, that he'll bless you with so many benefits. Look what it says. It says, and see, this is test me, says the Lord. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord almighty. And I would say to you that as you read that and you apply that into your own life, that as you are, as you are giving to God, listen, he is going to open the floodgates of heaven on your life. He will anoint your work. He will, he will strengthen you and give you wisdom for your job. He will help you in your side hustle. He will bless you in your business. That's how God works. Now, listen, church, I want to clarify one thing. I am not saying that if you give God a hundred dollars, he's going to give you 200 next week. All right. So I'm not, we're not playing that, that kind of game. But I am convinced of this thought, this fact. I'm convinced that when we apply God's principles, you'll enjoy God's benefits. Thank you, Eli. Let me try it again. If you will apply God's model, listen, it works in everything. You read your Bible every day this week. You know what? You're going to draw closer to God. It's just a model. It's just a principle right? You come to church. You listen, y'all are great. You're at church. I love you. Thank you. You know what happens when you come to church? God feeds your spirit. You worship God. You put, you put God where he belongs in your life as Lord of your life. Cause you lifted your hands and you worship him. That's what it does. You apply God's models and, and it just works in your life. And this is another model. It's our financial model and just works in your life. And so I'm, I'm not saying that, that God's going to make you, make you, you know, wealthier next week if you give, but I'm telling you that His principles always work in your life. Always. Always. Now, I understand that was Old Testament. So let me slide this into the New Testament for just a moment because we're under grace. So God's not going to penalize you. He's not going to punish you. But giving is part of New Testament, and it says in second Corinthians chapter nine six through eight it says, remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. and then it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So the Old Testament model was ten when, percent whenever we talk about tithing and you hear that number of 10%, that's a big number in people's finances. And I understand that. If I were to say to you, hey, everybody, you know, next week, you got to give 10% of your income. And first of all, that would be very law, you know, oriented. But, but for the reality is most people would really struggle if they went from giving nothing to 10% overnight. Like We just don't have that kind of margins in our budgets, especially during the squeeze that we have. And, and so listen, but that would be Old Testament. So what I'm saying to you that I believe is New Testament grace oriented is that you would pray about what is generous for you. What, what is generous in your family? Because the Bible says, whoever sows sparingly We'll reap a little bit. So if you, listen, it's real simple. You sow three seeds, you're gonna get a really little crop. You sow, sow thousands of seeds, you're gonna get a big crop. And so, so the New Testament is encouraging us to understand the principles that are here. And so all I'm saying to you is what is generous for you? What is generous for one person will be different for another person. And you have to say, God, what are you saying to me? What is, what is the, the amount, what is the ability that I have to give to you that feels generous in my life? And so my advice to you is to give what you can now. Begin with something. Begin to to put seed in the ground. And that's the beauty of it. When you sow seeds, the scripture says that it'll reap a harvest. And as you get a harvest, you'll be able to sow more seed. And that's the principle behind it. And so I just wanna encourage you to to begin somewhere. And I, I just believe that we can all do something to get seed in the ground. And once you put seed in the ground, Give consistently. Give every time you earn, give back to God as a way of honoring Him, as a way of trusting God, as a way as dependent upon God. And you, you choose the amount that's generous. I'm not here to tell you what it is. You choose, get consistent with it, and then watch God work in your life as you sow into the ground. That's my encouragement. I believe that every person, every person, young or old, should be giving to God at their church because this is how we honor God and reap the benefits, but how much you give is about your family. It's about you praying. It's about you honoring God and you respond to that. And then the Bible verse goes on to say, but when you give, he says, don't do it reluctantly. So he's saying, be sure you do it from a willing heart or not from compulsion. In other words, not from manipulation. I think I've done a pretty good job of not manipulating you today. I've told you, you don't have to give. So so listen, I'm just saying, don't give for compulsion and don't watch the TV show and they show the little herding puppies on TV and you feel all tore up about it and, and you gotta give. No, no, don't be manipulated. Although you can give to the little puppies, they're sweet. It says, not reluctantly under compulsion for God loves a, say it with me, cheerful giver. Why in the world would we be cheerful? Well, listen, under the Old Testament, people had to give. It was obedience. Today, God wants us to give out of love, out of joy and appreciation for the provisions and the blessings that we have in our life. It's for the joy I give. It's for the joy I worship. The reason I lift my hands in church and worship is because I'm so appreciative for my salvation. And the reason I do that with a smile on my face because he's changed my life and he has blessed me and he has forgiven me and he's healed me. He's set me free. Why would I not lift my hands in church and say, God, you're worthy of praise, right? Amen. When it comes to giving... I'm like, God, you have provided everything I need. God, you have blessed me more than I can imagine. God, you have met all my needs according to the riches in Jesus Christ. Why would I give to God with a sense of, oh no. No, God, thank you. I love you, Lord. I'm grateful for what you've done in my life and I appreciate it. And so, the next time someone comes up here and says, Three ways to give, y'all, you all ought to erupt and go, Yes, I get to give today. Woo, it's give time in the house of God. I'm so grateful for what He's done in my life. It'll freak somebody out, I promise you. Cheerful giver. Then, I, I need you to read verse 8 with me. Is it on the screen, at verse 8? Oh, this is so great. You ready? Everybody say it with me. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen, church? Amen. Right now, we struggle with the economy, it's difficult. I'm not preaching about giving because I want to see you struggle more financially. I'm not trying to subtract from your, your bank account. I want to help you to live according to God's principles because they work. And and I think for some people, this message might be your way forward financially because the Bible works. The world's way is not working. It's not working. Debt is out of control. It's not working. The world, they they spend, and they save a little, and they go into debt the world's way. God has a way, and I'll put this on the screen. I want you to see this. If you want to know God's model for you to be financially stable, work diligently. I'm a big fan of working hard. You ought to work hard. You ought to do your part, give your best, do whatever you do as unto the Lord. Work hard. Amen, church? But the very first thing you do with what you earn is you give to God. That's His model. That's what he says. Do it this way. Most people in the world and so many in church, they, they skip that and they go into spend. And so this is God's model. If you do this, this will bring stability in your life. If you're a young person, if you're like 25, 35 years old, of course, young is looking younger and older and older to me, you know, but so if you're 45, young person, God bless you. But listen, take a picture of that. Apply this in your life work hard, work diligent, give generously, save continuously. You should be saving from the day you make your first penny. Then spend wisely. Then after that, start making your investments. That'll change your life. When you get 56 like me, you'll just retire. And you'll have time to do ministry all the time. Play with your grandkids all the time. I wish I had learned that earlier on. That's all I can tell you. So, Church, I'm gonna give you a bunch of benefits for giving generously. And I'm gonna go through them a little fast because they're pretty self-explanatory. But the reason I'm gonna give you a lot of benefits is so you can see in scripture how significant it is to give generously. And so I'll start out with the first benefit of giving generously is it honors God. Honors God. I mean that's what we're here for. Listen that's what our life is about. I want to honor God. I want to, I want to give back to God. I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to, I want to raise my children in a way that they'll, they honor God. I mean, it's all about our God and worship and honoring him. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Again, we're talking about farmers in the old Testament still to your jobs, honor the Lord with what you do. Then your barns your bank accounts, whatever it may be, will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I heard a, a great story about tithing and honoring God. And there was a friend of ours was telling this story, and he said that he wanted to, years ago, ask his wife to, to marry him. And so he went to the father to ask permission first. And when he went to the father, and you know, as you're a young guy, you're you know, you're shaking about that. And, and he said, I want to marry your daughter. And can I have your permission? And, and this father said, well, I have one question for you. He said, if you answer this one question, right, then I'll let you marry my daughter. He said, if you don't, the answer is no. Well, the young, this fellow was sweating in his boots, as you can imagine. He goes, okay, what's the question? And the one question is this, do you tithe? He said, I can tell everything I need to know about you based off of whether you tithe or not. He said, I can tell if you love Jesus with all your heart and you're responsible with money that you can take care of my daughter. That's a question, isn't it? Wow. Every father that has a young daughter, write that down. Use that. Use that. You'll know everything Do Do they love God? Do they honor God? And do they have responsibility? Giving generously honors God. Amen, church. Number two, giving generously aligns our hearts with God. Matthew 621 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, God doesn't need our money. He wants our heart, but whatever you invest in, your heart follows. I remember when Eli went to college down in Florida and we were investing pretty significantly, all of a sudden, I got very interested in the sports team at Southeastern University. I'd never even heard of them until he went to school there, but now I'm giving money. I'm like, I want him to win. Why? Because there was, there was an investment. So wherever you put your investment and more than that, you know, my two investments of my children, one was there. I mean, how much more is that? So whatever you put your money into, listen, you, I can, you can tell a lot about someone You can tell who they love the most based on where they spend the most money. Amen, Pastor Tim. (laughs) Number three, giving generously builds our faith. Back to Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. First fruits, what is that? Well, again, back to our farmers, when they had their harvest of grain, and let's say they harvested 10 bushels of grain, the first of that went to the temple first before they ate from the other nine, before they stored it in the barn, they carried a bushel and gave it to God. And they did it first, believing God would bless the rest. And they could trust him that that provision would be what they needed for that year. And so it was first fruits. And so I'm encouraging you that as you give to God, that you make your giving first. Like if if you wait until the end of the month, let's, let's say you get paid once a month and you get paid on the first of the month. And then you wait till the very end of the month to see how much money you have left over. And let's say you have $50 left over and you go, well, great. I'm going to give God 30 bucks. Well, I mean, you know, great that you gave 30 bucks. No, no shade on that, but that didn't require faith. Did it? But if you gave that 30 bucks up front and you prayed about it and you said, God, what are you asking me to give? And let's say God said 30 bucks. He knows what you, what you've got. And he said, 30 bucks, you gave that 30 bucks up front. Then all the way through, you would have this faith and you'd have this belief that God's going to provide and he's going to help me. You have ground to stand on again. Amen. Church number four, giving generously forms spiritual habits spiritual habits are so important to life, our spiritual life, especially. Look at these three verses on the screen. Matthew 6, 2. Listen, all these verses are right together. Jesus is giving instructions on spiritual habits. And he says, when you give, listen, did he say, if you give? Try it again. Did he say, if you give? No. He said, when you give and when you pray and when you fast, like all these things are, are spiritual disciplines to help your spiritual life with God. And so giving is just as, as important as the other spiritual habits in your life, because they have a purpose from God to build us. And number five, generous giving frees people from greed and selfishness. Matthew six twenty four: no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This verse is a reminder that it's easy for money and our desire for possessions to become our priority in life. It's so easy and it's normal. We're all that way. And if this becomes the case in your life, if if money and possessions begin to, to root out your priority, then you'll end up neglecting your relationship with God and hurting your spiritual life. You see, church, greed means money is your God. That's what greed is. Selfishness means that you're your God. Giving means that God is your God. Amen. I liked that when I wrote it. I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> Number six, church, well, only two more. Y'all are doing so good. Uh, giving generously blesses my life. Acts twenty thirty five says, remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said, He said this. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me ask you, church, where is the blessing? Uh, Well, it's both, to be honest with you. Just one is way more blessed than the other. Because listen, if you're in need and someone blesses you and gives you something, that's a blessing. So listen, I don't want to take away from that. But I want to tell you, the greatest part is in the giving. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it we be measured to you. It's in the Bible, church. It's in the Bible. This is my last point. Y'all been great, by the way. I've harassed you a little bit, making you say amen. It's all right. Number seven, giving generously makes a difference. It makes a difference, not just in your life, but in the lives of others. Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. That's a statement right there. Whoever's kind, whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. So giving, it definitely has the benefits in your life, but it's so rewarding to be a part of giving and seeing other people blessed just this month in our church as, as you have given and, and we have a generous church. So I, I'm again, I'm, I'm, we're so blessed. Uh, with some surplus, we had surplus this month, and we were able to do some additional giving out of our church. I'll tell you what a couple of them are. We, we were able to send $1,000 to Region Church in Providence, Rhode Island. And for some of you new, we helped plant a church in Providence this year, uh, Hannah and Leslie McMillan. And uh, they're doing great, by the way. I talked to him this week and last Sunday they had their highest attendance since they started the church about six months ago. So it's amazing. They had almost 100 people at church. It was so good. And so we had surplus, and we're like, hey, let's bless. Let's do something. So we sent them $1,000. And and when you're a church plant, $1,000 feels probably like $10,000. So it was great. Uh, We sent $1,000 to the Christian Recovery House here in Wilmington. And so the Christian Recovery House here in Wilmington is a, a wonderful ministry to help people who are coming out of difficult places transition into different uh, ways of work and things and, and that give them a place to live and they've got certain requirements that really are just, it's amazing and uh, Jody Reif who is part of our church he leads Celebrate Recovery, he's on the board of directors there and so um, so we, we were able to bless them with a $1,000 this week because of surplus because of a generous church, amen? Um, yeah, that's a clap. I'll share this story too in and it's really not my story to share, but I have permission to share it, but um, two individuals who are part of the Christian Recovery House began to attend our church, and they found us through Celebrate Recovery and and, and Jody Reif shepherding that movement there and started attending and they went through our next step class, joined our church, and so they they are staying at the at the recovery house there. And now they have become part of our church. and um, And then um, they they don't have transportation due to the issues in their life, and and they've been walking three miles to church on Sunday. And they journey here to come be part of church. They walk. And so we found out about that and, and we thought, hey, as a church, what can we do? And so we were able to, to bless them with Uber gift cards this week for $250 just to help them. Amen? One of, the, one of the young men, and they're here today. God bless you guys. I love you. Woody, I love you, man. Woody, would you just stand up? Can we just honor Woody? Woody? Hunter's with you. I don't know. Hunter, God bless you, brother. We're proud of you guys. We're proud of you. Um, Real quick story. I'm I'm just telling your story, Woody. Um, Woody was looking for a job. So he's at the Christian recovery house and he's walking and he sees a construction site, walks in, says, I need a job. He met the electrician there and the electrician had a quick conversation with him, hired him on the spot. I walked in to our new church building, and ran into Woody, who had gotten a brand new job, he had no idea that was going to be our building. You, you can't make this stuff up. God's good. Come on, church. God is good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Generosity is so powerful, benefits you, and makes a difference in the kingdom. I close today with the questions for you. I've been teaching on the benefits of giving generously and and I feel like I've given a pretty solid biblical teaching on this and lots of verses and it's just all through the Bible and and so it's it's up to you now to walk out with that and and, and make decisions for what you want to do with today's message and and do you believe that everything is God's and everything is from God and you're a steward? And if you're a steward, then you're a manager of God's money and you should handle it His way. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a model for managing money and that He will, he will bring the appropriate blessings into your life? And I mean, do you think that God, I mean, would you pray about it? Is God wanting you to give? Maybe you've been giving, is God saying, This is the generosity I have for you. Do you trust God in this moment? And so my question is, what's your next step in giving? You heard it all. No manipulation. You pray about it. You respond to God. That's between you and God. I'll pray for you in just a moment. But before I do, before I pray over that, before you can trust God with money, you need to trust God with your salvation. Listen, I'm preaching on money today, giving. Doesn't sound like a great salvation message, does it? But listen, it's about trust. It's all about trusting God. And you'll never trust God with money if you can't just trust him with your forgiveness. And we talk about all kinds of topics in church. We talk about, we talk about you know, like stress. And, and we talk about, you know, disciplines in church and anxieties and, uh, you know, we talk about families and marriages and all of these things. They're, They're wonderful topics, but God wants to use the scriptures to help you in every area. But none of those areas can be strengthened if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And do you trust Jesus? Jesus wants to, he wants to forgive your sins. He wants you to trust him in that on the screen, I want you to look at this. You're loved by God. And, and that's so paramount to understanding that you are loved by God. If you never give money to the church or to a poor person, whatever, God still loves you. His love for you isn't based on your actions. He just loves you. We've all fallen and it's the sin that separates people from God. And you should forgive yourself, but that doesn't fix your your separation from god that can only happen through jesus christ and jesus died for your sins he took the punish, the punishment remember in the old testament we talked about the punishment well in the old covenant there was punishment for sin they had to sacrifice an animal to pay for it today we believe that jesus is that sacrifice and he takes that punishment and by grace we are forgiven. We believe in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. Jesus, I trust you. I believe that you're the Son of God and you died to take my sins. And that's where it all begins, church. And I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. And if there are people here that have never started a relationship with Jesus, if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never believed in him, today is that moment that this, this is it. If you're ready to say a prayer with me, I, want, I just want to pray for you. And you say, today I want this to be my day. Would you raise your hand? I want to be saved today. I want my sins forgiven. Is there anybody in the house? Just raise your hand to me. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, you can put your hands down. We're all going to pray together. Would you pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. He died for my sins. I turn to Jesus. I repent and I receive forgiveness. Thank you for saving me, and I trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. You can give that a clap. Go ahead. It's amazing. Amazing. And Father, for people here that have heard the message on giving today, probably at one level or another, we've all been challenged in some way. God, my hope as a pastor of this church is that I would inspire people to want to live out life in a biblical manner. And so God, I ask that your word would speak and give us the courage to respond. Bless your people, God, as we do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church. Amen. God bless you, church.